listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Thank you, Adam. Good morning, church. You can go ahead and have a seat. Man, what a great morning so far. Uh, Steve, you did a great job. I did notice one cobweb uh, up here, if you could get that before we go. Uh, ben, thank y'all. And I think Ben ate his Wheaties this morning, man. He was getting it. It was great. Well, my name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders uh, here at the White House campus of this amazing church. And it is an honor and privilege to bring God's word uh, to us this morning uh, because we are at a a place in Ephesians that can begin to be very impactful because today and then the next two weeks, Paul is going to deal with the most important and challenging relationships I believe on earth. Today we're looking at husbands and wives in marriage. Next week we will look at children and their parents in the home. And then the last or in the third week we'll look at employer employees, slave and master. We'll look at the workplace. And we have now come out of, finally, it seems like one of the most challenging years probably any of us have been through. I would say it's been the most challenging year uh, that I have seen in ministry, in being in the church. And I think one of the biggest issues that we all were dealing with was this issue of isolation. And so I want to say those that have been viewing and worshiping with us online, and if at all possible, that... Man, we would see you in person. We want to say it's time to all come back together. And that's why we have so many events now in April of helping people connect. And one of them with the Zambian mission trip. In fact, uh, Vincent and his wife, Samantha, our missionaries, they're here uh, with us this morning. Vincent uh, was over there. He's now back. And he's going to be a part, they're going to be a part of helping us lead us through our mission trip to Zambia. But I think through this last year, we have seen so much stress. And I think the timing is God-ordained that we're now going to talk about these relationships of marriage and home and the workplace and all the COVID things that went on, that all those relationships have been under incredible stress and strain. So to help us at the end of each week, I want to give us a, a challenge. And so I want you to write something down, and I'll give you the challenge at the end of it. We're going to use this for the next several weeks, and this is it. It matters, BBCW. So, it matters, one word, BBC for Bethel Bible Church White House. And I'll talk about what I want you to do with that at the end of the sermon today. So, it matters, BBC White House. So, this morning, I want to invite you to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 22. And today we're going to be talking about marriage. But before we get to reading the passage and praying, I want to say a few things. And this morning is going to be difficult for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is that some of us in here, we would say we are in healthy marriages. You're in a season that it is healthy. But we also know there are people here today that are in a difficult Marriage. You're in a very trying season. There are some among us that have had marriages end for a variety of reasons. 
some biblical and some not. And so I want to be very sensitive to everyone here this morning. But another reason this is difficult is because this passage today can kind of feel like a minefield. It seems very countercultural. In fact, I've even heard it said that it's old-fashioned and someone even used the term ridiculous. And this passage I have heard, I have listened to people use this passage where they have perverted it, they have misapplied it, and even been abused by sinful men teaching this passage. So this morning, I want us to think about a few things, and then we're going to read the passage. But have you ever thought about this, that by all accounts, by all logical accounts, marriage shouldn't work. It really shouldn't. When you take two people that are different physically and emotionally and psychologically, these two people come together, and they come from two very different families. They grow up with different likes and dislikes, routines, rules, expectations, and even two different value systems. And these two people come together, and so this should not work. By all logical reasons, marriage should not. But then you throw in there's so many problems with marriage. I think all of it boils down to really two things. It's either ignorance, and we don't know what Scripture teaches, or we just know what it teaches, but it's a disregard for what it is telling us. And we're going to see that today. But I want us to know this up front, that there is nothing degrading or dehumanizing about this passage. And the truth is that Satan wants to destroy marriages. Because we know that Satan and hell will not prevail against Christ's church. We're promised that. So if Satan can't destroy the church, the best thing that he knows he can do is to destroy marriages and destroy homes and even destroy our witness in the, work, the, in the workplace. So this morning, if you are, say I'm in a healthy marriage, we're in a healthy season, you praise God for that, but it can always be healthier. If you're in a difficult marriage, a difficult season, I want you to know there's always hope. If you've had a marriage end, there's always forgiveness and grace. So let's begin reading Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body as himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present to the, the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members 
of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This mystery, it is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And this is the word of the Lord. Let his saints hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed that you have given us your word and that your spirit was given to guide us. And that you have even given us marriage. We know that we cannot be the men and women that you desire in marriage without your word and spirit. And so, Lord, as we come to your word this morning, as we read it, as it will be taught, we pray, Lord, that you would be working in us and be transforming us, giving us minds to hear and hearts to do that which you command. That you would give us hearts that love you more than anything else. In Jesus' name, amen. So if someone was to come up and ask you, what does it take to have a healthy marriage? If we were to poll this room, I know we would hear some things like this. What does it take to have a healthy marriage? I think we would say things like communication. We know how important that is. We We would say trust. We would probably say things like respect and self-sacrifice. And we would list all of these qualities that we, ingredients that would take to make a healthy marriage. This morning, we're going to see that there is a key that I believe sets above all of these. And I want us to see this today. And so here's an outline for you. And I want you to notice a couple of things, see if you can find them. So we're titling this The Mystery of Marriage because by all the logical accounts, this should not work. So Ephesians 5, 22 through 23, it's the command to the wives. Then in verse 24 through 33, we're going to see the command to the husbands. Then verse 33, these commands are going to be Joined. Did it just freeze on me? Okay. So notice this, verses 22 and 23, the commands to the wives. 24 through 33, the command to the husbands. What do you notice? Or more for the husband. So I did it. Wives, you get three and a half verses. Husbands, eight and a half. I even took it a step further. Wives are given 62 English words. Husbands, 153. Percentage wives, 30% of the focus goes to the wives. And 70% of the focus goes to the husbands. But we need to remember some very, very important context this morning. Because I don't know if any of you are out there following along in your Greek um, Greek, uh, con- Greek Bibles, uh, there's something that you will notice if you've got the NASB, the very first verse, the second word is in italics. This verse actually in the Greek reads, wives to their own husbands. There's no word there in the Greek that says submit. So what's happening? Well, here's why context is important. In chapter 4, Paul begins the very practical section that he starts with... Um, 
An exhortation to all believers. In fact, verses 1 through 2 of chapter 4, he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you, all of us, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have all been called. And then he lists, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. And so that should be the tone for all of this letter in humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another. Well, then in chapter 5, he gives an equally important command. The beginning of chapter 5, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved. And that's for all of us. And gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, that we are to walk in love, imitating God under the control of the Holy Spirit. Well, then Paul, what he does, he lays out some examples for us of what being under the control of the Spirit is. And at the top of the list is chapter 5, verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. That all these relationships we're about to see, the home, marriage, and work, they must all include this idea of mutual submission. And so that's what Paul's doing when he says, wives to my husband. He's borrowing from verse 21. And so in our English translations, that's why it reads, wives submit to your own husbands. But all of this does not work if there is not mutual submission. So beginning today, Paul is actually painting a word picture for all of us. He's taking all of that context of what it means to walk in a manner worthy of our calling with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, being imitators of God, walking in love as Christ loved us under the control of the Holy Spirit. Then this is what it looks like. And so he begins with marriage. So let's walk through it. Verse 22, wives... Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And what we often don't realize is what Paul has just done. Paul has just dignified women. In Paul's day, women had absolutely no rights. In fact, in a lot of cultures around, not just where he is, but around the world, women were looked at as property. So when Paul mentions them first, He's actually showing them dignity. And he says, wives, submit. Submitting, being subject to. So what does this word mean? And it is multifaceted. The first meaning of this word means obey. So wives, obey your husbands. And I know we can cringe at that reading. But here's a couple things to remember. Submission here. He's not talking about obedience like a child with a parent. We'll get to that next week. He's also not talking about submission. It is not this slavish obedience. But it does include the word, the meaning obey. We'll talk about it. This word also means to follow. That's a little easier to accept, isn't it? To follow. As long as they're worthy of being followed. And I know that. But here's another meaning in this word built into it. It means to place or to arrange in order. It means to see yourself under the care, the watch, and the leadership of another. So to submit can also say 
I trust you. Meaning, a wife should live orderly, following and trusting with her husband. That a wife should follow the leadership of her husband. But notice the key. As to the Lord. So she's to follow her husband's leadership. To to place herself under his care as her service and dedication to Christ. Why? Because notice it's God's design in the next two verses. For the husband is head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So the word picture is the husband is the head, just as Christ is the head of the church. And the church submits to the leadership of Christ. That the church does not live for itself. We should not be here for ourselves. We as the church are here for Christ. That we as the church, all of us, are not to leave anything outside of his leadership. And that's the word picture he gives us. But here's some important truths here. First, the husband is the head. One of the things to note is this does not in any way communicate or suggest superiority or even spiritual inequality. That God has delegated, given the leadership, this office to the husband. But guys, it is not given to us because we are in any way superior. So husbands, wives, men and women, you know what? They both bear the image of God. We're equal in standing before God. They're equal in dignity, equal in spiritual gifts of service. But listen to what Paul says in Galatians 3, 28. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for all are one in Christ. So it isn't because the husband is any superior at all. No, that is not at all what Paul is saying. But secondly... I want to stop and make sure we do not misunderstand or misapply the next part of that verse because this is where I've seen it abused and misapplied where it says wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And it's easy to see how that can easily be misapplied and even used in evil ways because here everything doesn't mean everything. In fact, everything doesn't mean that a husband should ever lead a wife and a wife follow if it's in sin. So everything means everything that is aligned with Christ's character. Because that was the word picture he gave us. Christ is the head of the church. We're putting everything under, submitting to him under his leadership. And he's always going to lead us to righteousness. So the wife is to follow, submit in everything that is in line with Christ's character. But listen how John Stott puts it. It can never be commanded what God forbids or forbid what God commands. So that's the the command to the wives. Now let's see the command to the husbands. Husbands, love your 
wives. And when you do a little word search, you'll see it's the agape form of love. And I love this definition. Agape love is the kind of love that seeks the highest good of others, even at the price of his own comfort, safety, and benefit. That's agape love. That someone is seeking the highest good of whoever it is, even at the price of their own comfort, safety, and benefit. It is a self-sacrificing love. In fact, it's a love that is not measured by how much we want to receive, but how much we are willing to give of ourselves for it. That's how you measure it. And this is reserved notice for a man's wife. But notice the key. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the wives submit to their husbands as to the Lord, and husbands love their wives as Christ. And we've seen it today that Christ's love for the church is seen by what he was willing to give up. Just as Steve told us, that he gave up himself. And so listen to these words from Chuck Swindoll. Following Christ's example of self-sacrificial love for the church a husband's love will move him to surrender his preferences and let go of his self-seeking desires in order to meet his wife's needs. So men grasp this. Christ's love for his church is shown by giving her self-sacrificing Savior, by giving all that he is, not her tyrant. That we are not to love our wives because they're beautiful, even though they are. We're not to love them because they are uh, helpful, even though they are. We are to love them because we are to be like Christ to them. Because notice what Paul says next. This is what Christ is doing in us, in the church. This is what he came, he established, and this is what he's doing until he returns. And it is a blueprint for marriage. Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify her, the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. That's what Christ is doing through the church. He is purifying. He is washing the church. And one day it will be presented holy and blameless. And you know, one of the pictures of the church is his bride. The Christ is working is sanctified to set her apart, to cleanse and purify his bride, the church. He says he does this by the washing of water, the renewal of the Spirit through his word. So God's word and his Spirit are working to make the church holy like Christ. So how in the world does this relate to marriage? I think Paul is saying our love for our wives should have a sanctifying influence on them. So husbands, hear me on this. We are to lead, protect, and fight 
to promote our wives' holiness or, or Christ's likeness, just like Christ is doing for the church. So here is a sobering question to ask. After however many years of marriage, six months to 60 years, is my wife more like Christ because of me or in spite of me? And that is the word picture he is giving us. Is my wife more like Christ because of me or in spite of me? And how is that? We promote our wives' holiness by being the spiritual leaders of our homes and loving them with the self-sacrificing love of Christ. But Paul is not done. He gives us one more analogy. Because you know men are stubborn. We're hard-headed. He says in the same way, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one even hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So a husband will nourish and cherish his wife just as he takes care of his own body. I think he is saying that a man, the way he treats his wife, reflects a lot about his character, his integrity, and his self-respect. So notice what happens when a husband loves his wife and his wife follows him. This mystery is profound. It shouldn't work. I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. So not only is marriage this mystery, it shouldn't work, but not only is the love of Christ for the church a model for marriage, but the husband-wife relationship is meant to be lived in a way that it points people to Christ. And when people see this, it shouldn't be working. Why does it work? It isn't because we're any better than anybody else. It's only because of God's grace working in and through our lives. Because read the last verse where these commands are joined. He says, however, or likewise, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. So the more our marriages reflect this idea of mutual submission, wives respecting and helping and, and following their husbands and husbands loving and honoring their wives, that is the only way it happens. Because you know how it doesn't work? It's if a wife demands that her husband love him or love her as Christ loved the church. And vice versa, a husband can never demand of his wife that you submit, you follow Live orderly with me. These are not commands that we get to use against one another, but it only works. The wife will follow and, and, and uh, submit and live orderly with her husband much easier when she is being loved as Christ loved the church. And a husband would not have any problem loving and cherishing and honoring his wife as Christ did the church when he sees that she is looking to him to lead and trusting him in all of that. 
It only works with mutual submission. So the key to the mystery of marriage, there's a lot of ingredients that we know they need. Trust, communication, respect, love, all those things. But here's the ultimate key. Did you notice that for every command, there was someone to look to? The command, wives, submit to your husbands. Who is the head? And what does it say? As to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I think this is the key. The key to marriage is how much of reality is Christ in your life. That the more Christ means to you, the more Christ is to you, the more life-giving reality he is to you, the more he is in focus for you, the healthier your marriage will be. So this week, I've thought a lot about over the last 20, almost 27 years. Man, we've had some great seasons and some really horrible seasons, some hard seasons. But when I look back over those times where I would say our marriage has been absolutely the healthiest, it wasn't because Marla was doing anything in that. But it was in those seasons that I was pursuing Christ. Those seasons where I couldn't get enough of his word and I was looking at every decision as what would honor Christ in this. How do I, I best take Christ in all that I'm doing? It was when that was happening, when our marriage is the healthiest. Because the key is the focus of the person. And when we're putting our focus and we're saying, you know what, no matter what it costs, I'm going to follow Christ. And I'm going to pursue him. I want him to be the biggest reality in my life. When that happens, it's interesting how everything else seems to fall in place. So before I give you your challenge, I want to tell you a little story about Winston Churchill that really stuck with me this week, thinking about marriage. See, Winston Churchill once attended a, a formal banquet in London at which he was attending with dignitaries from all over the world. But all of a sudden, a discussion broke out among the couples that were there. The question was this, if you could not be who you are, who would you like to be? And everyone began sharing, and naturally, everyone was curious to what Winston Churchill would say. Well, he's seated next to his beloved Clemmy. When it finally came to Churchill's time, his wife was even more interested in what he would say. It finally became his turn. He turned to his wife and he took her hand. He said, if I could not be who I am, I would most like to be Lady Churchill's second husband. And so next to Christ. Next to Christ, we should cherish our spouse above all. And the only way that happens is when we are cherishing Christ more than anything in this world. Everything finds its order, just as God always has. That Christ submitted himself to the Father. We're to see that as the example. So here's the challenge. Here's what I'd love for us to do. Over the next week, 
maybe two weeks. I'll give you a little grace. Over the next week, take some time to spend with your spouse, no matter what season you're in, to spend some intentional time talking about your marriage. What could we each be doing in this to make things better? What do we hope happens? How could our marriage be used in those around us? Now, you don't have to share what you talk about. Man, you could go out to eat. You could go for a walk. You could sit on your back patio. Spend some intentional time talking about where you are and what you want your marriage to be. And then snap a picture. And then use this hashtag. It matters. BBC White House. Don't have to share what you talked about. You can, that can be between you two. But just to encourage other people, you know what? It matters. And it isn't always easy, but it will always be worth it. And then we're going to use this challenge all throughout the next several weeks. So go and spend some time. And listen, I've got a busy week. A really busy week. I told Marla this morning, hey, I don't know, but we have got to fight for some time. Because I want to do this with you, to sit down with no interruptions. Maybe even after the kids go to bed and just sit down on the couch to talk about, this is where we are. Where do we want to be? And what can we be doing? And it's in that picture to It Matters, BBC W. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.